You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, yes. Off and running on this uh, Wednesday, March 20th. Good morning. Welcome in. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Plenty on the docket for today. And, of course, you know the deal. One hour. We run through it all. 60 minutes. We'll have all the latest on the baseball negotiations which is not a lot but there mainly because there are no <laughs> mainly because there are no baseball negotiations it's just each each side is just waiting for the other side to blink but there are some interesting aspects of that and Joel Sherman has an interesting article today about and really more so than the article itself is just the state of things and the state of the stare down between the two sides in the baseball negotiations as they are but we'll get into that the NFL made changes to the Rooney rule yesterday, but not the one that everybody is talking about. And the Knicks, yes, the Knicks, remember them? Haven't lost games in months. They continue to hire people for their front office, so we'll touch on that today. And today is Wednesday. And you asked for it. Well, technically one guy asked for it. But that one guy, I'm sure, represents lots of people out there. So headlines are back today. But let's start with the actual headlines before we get to the silly headlines a little bit later. And as I mentioned, Joel Sherman of The Post, very uh, interesting article about the negotiations between the uh, baseball players and the owners. Of course, the financial aspects of the uh, 2020 season. Will there be further reduction in salaries for the players or will the players hold firm? And really, will we have a a season at all? But the article itself is, is about this existence of an email that the owners view as this potential smoking gun. They say it proves that the players' union knew that if baseball were to return without fans in the stands, that the players knew that there would have to be further reductions in salaries, right? Back in March, the owners and players agreed to a prorated reduction in salaries, right? So half the amount of games, half the salaries. The players have presented it as, you know what, we already agreed to a a cut in our pay, so we're not going to do that again. But the owners are presenting this email as proof that this is just a negotiating ploy and that the players knew that there would have to be further reductions, which the owners now want. Players say no way that this is a a non-starter unless – you show legit financial distress, which is, you know the deal, open up your books. And the owners are not going to do that. So now you're going to get into all these legal wranglings, but the owners feel like this email shows that the players knew it. And I'm not going to get into all the different aspects of it. It's interesting, but, you know, it's legalese a lot of it, right? So I don't know if it's the most fascinating topic. But I thought it was interesting that Randy Levine, the Yankees president, who has been part of negotiations in the past on the side of the players union, he said, quote, it clearly states in bold language, if there are bans on mass gatherings, which there are to this day, that prevent fans in the stadium and or travel restrictions exist as they do today. The agreement says that based on those facts and the economic feasibility of the moment, there has to be a renegotiation on salaries. This is according to Randy Levine. Quote, that is not my opinion. That is what the text of the agreement says. So this back and forth continues on, right? It was over a week ago now that 
the negotiations on the financials started to right the 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 owners presented their proposal to the players. So Tim Kirkchin, I believe, was on SportsCenter last night. He was asked, how are the sides feeling so far? Here's Tim Kirkchin. On Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, a former player who's now an instructor and has had 30 years in the game called me on the phone on a Sunday morning and started screaming about the proposal that the owners sent to the players. And he said... This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. There is no chance we're going to play this season. That's what he told me. The next day, I spoke to a general manager who is very plugged in on this, and he told me the chances of playing this year are 100%. So 100% that they are going to play this season. So obviously that's a pretty big divide. One side says there's no possibility of it happening, and the other side saying, it's going to happen 100%. Well, look, as I said, it, it, the fact that this is where we still are, to me, is the bigger takeaway. This is where we were over a week ago, and nothing has happened. I don't know. I'm not a, a veteran of the actual negotiating process, but that doesn't that seems like it's a bad sign, right? Like that nothing has happened in over a week. Because keep in mind... Something has to happen here relatively soon. Here's Jeff Passan on Get Up yesterday talking about the timetable for a return. This deal needs to be done with May still on the date. Like that, it's as simple as that. If, if, if you don't have that, then you will not have baseball in early July starting off actual regular season games. You will not have spring training. There's so much logistically, Greeny, that needs to get done that this 67 page plan outlines. And whether it's physicians, whether it's teams, whether it's players, you need to have everything running as smoothly as possible if you want to hit those timetables. All, right. All right. So, well, so much for that, Jeff. Thanks for nothing. Well, it's like the two sides are, are are both in the same rowboat, and they're they can see the falls are coming up, right? But yet neither of them is going to do a thing until the other one does what they want, and it, it certainly seems like that both are going to go down with the ship. And again, maybe this is a negotiating ploy, right? There's a dance at every negotiation, right? If it's a baseball deal or buying a car, right? There's a way things go, and generally things don't get done. Until there is a deadline, and there's not really a hard deadline, but it's certainly you would think, right? Just having a half of a brain, you're gonna if you want to be playing in July, that means you have to have spring training in June, which means you kind of have to have an agreement here relatively soon. We're already at the 20th of May, and not that it's impossible to do so here in the next 10, 12, whatever days, but when you've gone the last eight or nine without doing anything. Boy, that's not a good sign. And it feels like, look, every story has two sides right now, right? Everything, it's two sides fighting over whatever. I saw that Ben Roethlisberger got a haircut, right? He had the big beard and bushy hair. He got a haircut. And apparently that's now a political issue, the fact that he got a haircut. So you have, it seems like every story has two sides fighting over whatever, if you want to really bring people together, baseball don't have a season and people will be united in their hatred for the idiots of baseball. Me included. I'm as big a fan as there possibly can be of baseball. If they don't have a season this year, it's on them. 
It's on both sides. I'm not going to blame the owners. I'm not going to blame the, the, the players. I'm going to blame everybody. You're all a bunch of idiots if you can't figure out a way to make this work. Michael Kay yesterday saying, this is the other side of things, that the optimism regarding baseball will come next week. Here's Michael. Somebody high up in baseball contacted me before the show today and said, brace yourself for the rest of the week. And I texted back. I said, why? And he said, everything that could possibly be bad or might happen that could be negative is going to be accentuated this week. And by the end of the week, you're going to think that there's not going to be baseball. He said, don't believe that. It's all posturing. It's all negotiating. So... Those that are trying to get their way are going to put out all the negative stuff that baseball might not play. And then he said, and then by next week, they'll have turned the corner and you'll see they're getting closer and closer. And they've got to come to an agreement by the end of this month because they've got to tell their players on June 1st, you know, you got to get down to Florida or you got to get to Arizona by June 12th if we're going to make this work. So brace yourself. Gird yourself for a lot, a lot of negative things happening. And then after that, it will probably turn positive. All right, so there's Michael. That's a reason to keep your hope, you know, keep faith, stay positive, which I have generally been here. I, I have to believe that the smart people on both sides are going to realize, look, guys, we got this golden opportunity. Everybody wants to play. There are financial benefits for everybody playing. And the, 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 the negative side of things, if you don't play, is just so overwhelming that you would think. But it's almost like that scene in Rocky Two where, where Mickey's yelling at Rocky about the rematch in the church. You know, just in case your brain ain't working too good, all this happens pretty soon. And you're not, you ain't ready. You're nowhere near ready. So for me, I, you know, much like Mickey, I don't want to get mad in a biblical place like this. But uh, if you guys don't uh, get a deal done, uh, I want to kick your face in pieces, uh, much like uh, Apollo Creed wanted to do to Rocky. All right. So that's the, the first headline of the day. 1-800-919-ESPN, of course, is the phone number. Uh, headline number two is that the NFL owners yesterday approved new measures aimed at improving diversity hires of both coaches and front office personnel. They passed on that plan that was floated last week, right, that would have tied uh, draft pick improvement to hiring. You know that one, right? The NFL Network reporting last week that owners were considering a proposal that would have improved teams' third-round draft picks by six or ten spots if they hired a, minor, a minority candidate for a vacant GM or head coaching opening, as well as other compensation for hiring minority candidates for such positions as quarterbacks coach. Now, yesterday, they decided that they were going to table that and not uh, have that be part, but they did kind of leave it out there that it will be considered at a later date. Boy, speaking of bringing people together, that plan, was there anybody who thought that that was a good idea? Like outside of the person who floated it. It seemed like everybody was uh, together in their hatred of that idea. So what did the NFL owners approve yesterday? All right. Well, A, teams will now be required to interview at least two candidates from outside their organization for any vacant head coaching job and at least one minority candidate from outside their organization for any vacant offensive, defensors, or, or special teams coordinator job. Secondly, the NFL changed its anti-tampering policy to relax the rules that have allowed teams to deny assistant coaches and executives the opportunity to interview for jobs with other organizations. Okay? That one, I think, is actually a pretty good idea. 
even if you're a coordinator with one team, you would be allowed to interview. I don't know how many times that's going to actually happen. I would think if you have a coordinator's job that you would stay with where you are, right? The the rule prohibits a club denying an assistant coach the opportunity to interview with a new team for a bona fide offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, or special teams coordinator position. Also, the Rooney rule is expanded to apply to a number of executive positions, and now all teams will establish a minority coaching fellowship program. All right, here's the thing, and we'll take your phone calls on this at 1-800-919-ESPN. Anytime this topic comes up, everybody, every talking head, well, what I would do is this. Uh, this is this is an easy fix. All you have to do is this. All you have to do is that. Well, here's the thing. There are no easy answers. There's no solution that fixes the problem from jump. So stop acting like there is. You know, sometimes when you have a complex problem, it's complex because there are no easy answers. The Rooney Rule, while well-intentioned, has not made any difference. So the fact that they have now decided, I, 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 I applaud them for try, for focusing on it and trying to fix it, but I don't think that there is any real easy fix. So saying, oh, instead of interviewing one minority candidate, now you'll have to interview two. <laughs> uh, well, the first thing didn't do anything, but by increasing it, well, that'll fix it all. Sometimes there are no easy answers, and I think that it's okay to say that sometimes. But you'll hear people floating these platitudes out there as if, well, it's just about having an easy easy fix. Just hire the best people. Oh, hire the best people, as if that's easy to identify. Keep in mind, in these situations, almost always, it's a team who's looking for a new head coach, right, or a new GM or a new assistant coach, chances are the reason they're looking to fill that is because the last guy didn't work. Chances are it's a bad team. So they weren't able to identify the best people the last time, but now you just just hire the best people. Oh, well, why didn't you just draft the right people? Because it's so easy to identify. And I'm not, most people are now going to criticize the NFL for the changes that they did make. I'm not, I'm not even criticizing the other plan. I don't think it would have worked. Mainly because you're saying that teams don't want to hire a minority coach. But how about if we sweeten your fourth round pick? Well, before we were giant racists who didn't want to hire a black coach, but you go, you're going to improve my fourth round pick? Well, I'll put all that aside. And I do think it would have been insulting, although, I don't know, if I was somebody who felt like I, I I wanted a chance and wasn't getting the chance, and now you're going to put this rule in place, which is insulting. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I think that I would be able to deal with the insulting nature of it to finally have the chance. The bottom line is, they're trying to come up with solutions. The problem is, there are no easy solutions. And from what's being floated out there, if they're serious, it's pretty clear they don't really have that many good ideas either. But I think the main point of it is, the main part of it is, is because it's a tough problem to solve. There's nothing, unless you're saying you must hire this person or that person, there is no easy solution. 
in particular, I, I've mentioned this many times. When I interviewed Scott for the New York Giants job, and I was there with Mr. Mara and Mr. Tish and Ernie Accorsi, I felt as though these these three individuals in particular were very much so invested in terms of what they were hearing from me, trying to glean from me what my level of competency was. And they knew that I was invested in this process and took it very serious. Even though the interview took four or five, you know, maybe six hours, to me it seemed like it only lasted about five minutes because – I was all in the entire time, and I could tell that they were, too. And as a matter of fact, when that process was over, Scott, I remember going down into the cafeteria there at the Giants facility and literally just sitting there and having a bite to eat with John Mara and thinking, this is actually what it's all about. This right here, to me, embodies what, you know, being a personable, authoritative figure in terms of John Mara being an owner should be all about. Really being able to you know, for people to understand that, yes, I own this football team, but at the same time, I'm a people person and I care about people and individuals because that's what he conveyed to me. Now, when I left there, I thought I had done everything, Scott, to get that job. I remember coming home and telling my wife, I think I've got this thing because I felt that good about it. And even though I was extremely disappointed to not get the job, I never for a second thought that John Mara did not take me seriously or that Steve Tisch did not take me seriously or that Ernie Accorsi, who I knew for a long time, did not take me seriously. All right, so there's Lewis Riddick talking about his experience with the uh, Rooney Rule when he interviewed with the Giants. And uh, Lewis is someone who has been, uh, his name has been out there several times. I, I've said that uh, when the Dolphins were looking the last time, and I'm sure it won't be long before they're looking again, maybe maybe next time will be the time for Lewis Riddick, uh, that that's a guy that I would uh, love to have uh, running my front office. But I, I think that what it kind of plays into there, I mean, you have to keep in mind, these jobs are very, very difficult to get. Very difficult to get. So I think that eventually you would think that Lewis Riddick might get a chance to do that, but at least so far it has not happened. And uh, so that uh, certainly is a hot topic. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. And our poll question, which is up for today, and I'm interested to see which way this one goes. I came up with a little bit of a different one, right? We've been talking about Michael Jordan and the last dance, we talked about uh, Mike Tyson. Was that last week or this week? I can't even keep all the days straight anymore. It's all these teaching jobs that I have after the show is over. I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted by the end of the day. So our poll question, which is up for today on Twitter, it's kind of a little bit of a throwback. A throwback question in 2020. And the question is, you could only watch one of the following. Which one would it be? Your first option is, your first choice is, Tyson Evander Holyfield in 2020. Not going back in time, as they currently are now. Mike Tyson is what, 53, 54? Evander Holyfield, I believe, is 57. So seeing two 50-year-olds, because that was the what won the poll question the other day, right? About you you would want to see Mike Tyson, you would you would buy that fight. That's option one. Second one was Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan has said that he wouldn't play the current players on his team because it would demoralize them, right? It would it would shatter their um, their confidence. And I can't remember, was it Miles Bridges who said, bring it on? So would you like to see Michael Jordan one-on-one against a current current NBA player? But not, a, you know, not, a, not LeBron. I'm not saying that, obviously. Michael Jordan is in his 50s. But like a current NBA player, like a good, you know, a league average player. That's option two. Option three, 50-year-old Mariano Rivera. That's how old he is. He's 50 years old. Pitching against a, you know, league average major league player. Not Mike Trout, 
well, you know, like a, a, a decent, solid major league player. Could he get that guy out? Would you be interested in seeing that? I kind of feel like Mariano. Maybe it's because he was still getting guys out at what was he, 43 when he retired? 44? That's option three. Or option D, people always complain I don't ever mention hockey. Option D is something hockey. I didn't have a real reference point for that, as I've always pointed out. I'm not a big hockey guy. But option D is something hockey. I don't know what it is. How old is Wayne Gretzky now? He's got to be in his, he's got to be in his sixties, right? I don't know. Maybe something Mario Lemieux. I don't know. I don't know. Something Guy Lafleur. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but something hockey. That's your fourth. That is your fourth option. So that's the poll question. It's up on Twitter at Gordon Dammer. 1-800-919-ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Let's get some phone calls in in this segment because we're going to do uh, headlines in the, the third segment. So let's go out to our buddy Lewis is in Whippany. Lewis, what's going on, my man? Yeah, you never cease to amaze me, man. <laughs> that Why is that? <laughs> like something hockey. Something hockey. I don't know what it is. Well, look, people would be upset with me if I came up with a specific thing because then they would say, well, you're not a hockey fan. How? Who are you to float this idea out there? So I just <laughs> I left it open-ended. I know, but still, listen. Um, the problem, the problem with the whole NFL not hiring minorities for you know obviously head coaching jobs, offensive coordinators, QB coaches, and stuff like that is the owner themselves. But that's not going to change, correct? Uh, well, like look, I said, think if they if they could have more minority owners, I think that that was probably well, if, if you could if you could wave a magic wand. That they would probably be it. the best fix, no, no. but finding someone who can afford that is is kind of difficult. It's not a huge, you know, it's well, not a huge they, group. They, they had an opportunity when the Panthers uh, were up for sale. There right. was, uh, you know, rumors floating around that you know uh, P. Diddy, LeBron, and like a few investors were looking to buy the team. Right, and it's, it, it, there was also reports that they never really got looked at. You know, so when's the next time that a team's gonna be available? Which is, might be in the next fifty years. You know, these these are family businesses. They're just not going to sell it to some some random person. You know, um, and some but, random person can't afford it. it you know, it, I, I don't know exactly. the financial uh, wherewithal of P Diddy. Or, I, I would not think that. I would think that the 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 range of people that can afford two billion dollars is pretty small. Of course, but that's why there was an investor group. But anyways, look. At the end of the day, I believe you said that um, that you would take the opportunity, even though if it would be uh, demoralizing or in uh, what was the word insulting, insulting. right? Yeah. yeah, of course. But you know, myself too. If if that was given to me as an opportunity, even though I knew the reason why I was hired was because some incentive, I would take the opportunity and make the best out of it. But most people aren't going to do that because of their pride. And on that note, real quick, if you let me explain. Well, Lewis Riddick just there right now, and I hope it doesn't happen, but knowing people how they are on Twitter, I, I can guarantee you that just because the guy didn't down talk or, like, didn't uh, talk bad about the Maros, most people are going to come out and call him, um, you know, the um, the word the African-Americans use right. for uh, black people that, you know, yes. uh, yeah, I didn't want to say it, but, you yeah, know, no, I didn't know if I could say it on the radio, but yeah. so... Um, yeah, so that's another problem with it too. You know, people's pride—they they don't see the opportunity that's being given to them. And I understand it's disrespectful, it's insulting. But at the same time, you know, if if that's one way for you get the opportunity, it, just run with it, man. Make the best of it 
what you can, but again, it's just people's pride and also the owners of the problem, but that's not going to change. Thanks for taking well, the call, I mean, man. I just think, Lewis, and thanks. I just think it's a complex problem. I don't think that there's a, I don't think that there's a rule change that you can make. I don't think there's a magic wand that you can wave and say, okay, this will fix it. I think it's, it's, it's more complex than that. Um, so, you know, for Lewis Riddick, I think he's, he's sharing his opinions and he is, he's not someone who has shied away in the past or I'm sure in the future from stating what he believes. So anybody who's going to criticize him for what he would say, I think is completely off base. And anybody who would criticize the Giants, I'm not sure when Lewis was interviewing for the job. Was it for when Gettleman got the job? Uh, maybe it was, but maybe it was even before that, right? It I was guess 2017. It had to be. Yeah, 2017. So it had to be when Gettleman. I mean, you have to keep in mind, you know, for anybody who's going to criticize the Giants, it, they, oh, they won't hire him. They, they just got rid of Jerry Reese. Jerry Reese was an African American. So, I mean, um, I think it's just a, a complex problem. And in the world that we live in with talking heads, we all have to make it seem like, well, I know the solution. Right? Sometimes it's not an easy solution. I think that this is one of those complex issues. My, uh, Jake is in Maryland. Jake, what's going on, man? Hello? Jake, what's going on? Yeah, I was going to make a comment that I think you're kind of off base as far as your comment about, you know, why minorities aren't getting hired. The issue is pretty clear. You have a lot of owners in the NFL which are Caucasian, okay, and they want to hire people they know. The issue is that the people want to hire people African-American or people of color or people of different sexes, they will put them in positions. They're not making the choice. That's the issue. Until the owners come together and they make a rule so that you have to hire these people, then you can get some progress. Because right now, if you look at it... So, you, history, so, so, Jake, you want a rule where teams must hire a black head coach? Yeah, and let me tell you exactly why. I say that because the black coaches that get hired, if you look at them in the history... They have a shorter leash. So okay, Jake, but you're, you're saying so. What you're saying is you want a rule that is racist. No, what I'm saying. Well, is you, you just said make... you want a rule where teams have to hire a black head coach. Yeah, because you, you have to. So you're, you you want teams to hire someone based on their race. Yes. Well, okay. <laughs> so well, that would be you, racist. Like... Well, okay, if you want to call it, call it however you <laughs> No, you that's not it. me having an opinion about it. If you're saying you want somebody hired based on the color of their skin, that is that is racist. But that look, is, you're making a decision based on race, all right, exclusively all right, on right. race. All right, let me respond to that. Okay, what I'm going to respond to you is that that's fine. The issue is that these temp coaches are not – I mean, sorry, the owners are not hiring people African-American and the roles of being a coach or an executive. And it's happened for over many years. So the issue is that they have an unconscious bias that people won't want to address. It can be difficult to address, but it's there. So people can dance around the topic and make all these other comments and whatnot. But the issue is, is that you have a hiring unconscious bias that people don't want to deal with. Jake, I would I would not disagree with that. I think I think it is an issue. I'm not saying that it's not an issue. What I'm saying is to solve the issue, I think is a little bit more difficult than people are presenting. 
I don't uh, think that you can just simply say that teams, you know, this is not going on. Uh, what's the uh, what's the show uh, that they do in the summertime? Oh, geez. Uh, hard knocks. This is not uh, <laughs> this is not mandating that teams go on hard knocks on HBO. The, the, you know, t- if you were to institute a rule, it's all about coming up with a rule. And Jake, thanks for the call. It's all about coming up with a rule that I think that, you know, solves the problem, but without overstepping into the ridiculousness. And I think that the the one that they floated out there about improving your draft stock, I think that that was ridiculous. It's not about it being insulting to the people. I'm sure. I'm sure if if it were me, I I I wouldn't want to be insulted. But if that's the only way that I felt like I was going to get a legitimate chance, well, then I probably would suck it up. I mean, there's it's a lot of times where we make decisions. You don't like everything that is entailed in the decision, but it's the best decision for you. But I think that, yes, stating that teams must hire a minority coach at some point. Uh, yes, I think that that would be uh, overstepping. Scott in Jersey. Scott, what's going on, man? Hey, how's it going? How you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, real quick, let me ask you a question. What do you think an owner's objective is to own a sporting team? Do you think he wants to win? Do you think I do. He just make money? What do you think owners want to do? Because if people think that they're not hiring minorities because they're racist, and they're you know if he's the best man for the job and he's not hiring them, that's you know that's the on the owner. You know what I mean? And is it yeah. wrong? Probably a hundred percent. But I think guy, you know, they're hiring people they think are best for the job, and if they're forced to hire who they're told to hire, I think that's wrong too. Yeah, I no, Scott, I agree with you. And I and look, Scott, I don't think that any, I don't think that there's an owner out there who is saying, well, I am not going to hire, that guy is black. I am not going to hire him based on that. But is there, you know, underlying racism? I, I do think that that does exist. And anything that the NFL can do to push owner current NFL owners uh, into realizing that and, you know, maybe altering their thought process or, or at least recognizing their thought process and some implied racism that they may have that's great but yeah i think that (laughs) obviously coming up with a rule where teams must hire this person or that person and and doing it based on uh race or or anything i think would be uh yeah i think that that would be wrong and i don't really think that i'm going out much in a limb on that one i want you to be nice until it's time not be nice. Well, uh, how are we supposed to know when that is? You won't. I'll let you know. Oh, Roadhouse. Did not do that well in the rewatchable movie bracket, but it is an eminently... Re- you know, the problem with the rewatchable movie bracket was that we had too many... I don't think that anybody, if you're being fair, Roadhouse is an imminently rewatchable movie, but it's not a good movie, right? Like on IMDb, I think it's got like a six out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, it's down in the 40% range. But as a guy movie, it is imminently rewatchable, even though it's a bad movie. I mean, you'd have to, I mean, the script is not very good. The production, not very good, but it's imminently rewatchable. So that was released on uh, the date yesterday. Back in 1989. 1989. Oh, my goodness. And you know what? I was thinking, I was watching some TV over the weekend, and there's a lot of rewatchable movies. Now, this one was not included, but I think 
maybe more so than any other movie that was floated as a rewatchable movie candidate, could probably do with a remake. And that is Running Man. Running Man, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Richard Dawson. You probably seen I have to have seen it by now. That to me, there are some like Roadhouse, I don't think should ever be touched again. It's not that good of a script. It's it's great as it is. There's certain movies that should never be touched. I think Running Man, although the problem with Running Man is the real star of Running Man is not really Arnold Schwarzenegger. The perfect casting of that movie is Richard Dawson. And you couldn't obviously have Richard Dawson in it again. But you'd have to find somebody who is perfectly cast in that role. But, you know, just watching it because of the special effects back then, I don't feel – I feel like that's one that if they did a remake of it could probably be uh, maybe not improved upon, but certainly it would not be as blasphemous as uh, some other ones. All right. So it is the Gordon Dammer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Our poll question, which is up for today, and at least so far is a real battle. It's a real battle. You can vote on it on Twitter at Gordon Dammer. You can only watch one, and it kind of ties into some of the topics we've touched on this past week. And it's a turn back the clock, but in our current times. And the question is, you can only watch one. Which one would you watch? Would you watch a 2020 fight against Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield as they currently, at their current ages, can't go back in time? Would you... Watch Michael Jordan one-on-one against an average, a league average NBA player, whoever that might be. Miles Bridges is the one that said that uh, he would uh, take on Michael Jordan. So let's use Miles Bridges as an example. Would you want to watch Mariano Rivera against a league average MLB player? Could Mariano at the age of 50 with that cut fastball still get people out? Or is it D, something hockey? I didn't give you a specific example there because I don't have an ex- a specific example. But something hockey. And at least so far, something hockey is holding its own. We'll see if that uh, remains to be the case. But you can vote on the poll question. I guess if I had a vote, it would probably be 50-year-old Mariana Rivera. And maybe that's something we can do on pay-per-view once the baseball season gets completely canceled. Maybe we can do that. All right, so there's the poll question. You can vote on it on Twitter. But today is Wednesday, and people have been clamoring for it. Really only one person, but that one person means a lot in my eyes. And it is the return of headlines. Today's headlines. Extra, extra. Okay, so I don't have too many actual headlines today. We, I, I focused it much more on Florida, man. But the one headline that I, you know, there's a lot of serious headlines that shouldn't be joked about, at least not on my show because I don't want to get fired. But the one that I saw was that a New Hampshire high school, Every high school right now is trying to figure out how the heck are we going to do a graduation ceremony, right? In the day and age of social distancing, keeping it safe, how are we going to do it? So this New Hampshire high school came up with a pretty unique idea. They're going to hold it at a ski resort. And what they would do is the the graduate would be on a ski lift (laughs) and they would... Right, you know, that would obviously, they would be spaced out, and everybody would get on the ski lift. Well, that's great for New Hampshire. We don't have that many, it would be kind of hard for everybody to use a ski lift to do, I have come up with the perfect solution. You ready for this? This would get student, 
right now, students are so depressed because their senior years have been destroyed by this pandemic. T-shirt cannons. Who doesn't love T-shirt cannons, right? You get the diploma, you put it in a T-shirt, you get the T-shirt cannon, and then you fire it off into the sky. And the graduates got to run. Now you have to have supposed you have to have the social distancing. I get it, but you could do it on the football field. Everybody waits in their car. You call out a name. All right, your time to get. Th- talk about making a memory. Hey, when I graduated, we didn't just. Wa- I think that this is an improvement on the whole graduation ceremony overall. Just fire it off in a t-shirt cannon. That would be amazing. I, I almost want to go back to school just so I can catch my my diploma out of a t-shirt cannon i don't know how many schools have t-shirt cannons bigger schools i sure right high school maybe i don't know all right so that's first headline let's get right to florida man because we have not touched on florida man in quite some time and he has been busy first up florida man charged with exposing himself said he just needed to air it out extra extra I think we all have found ourselves, I don't know, air it out, move it around, but air it out. That's uh, all right. See how that one holds up in court. I feel like the precedent is not going to be set there, that that is an acceptable defense. But who am I to judge? Florida man dives into fish tank of Bass Pro Shop. Extra, extra. I'm kind of surprised that it doesn't happen more often in Florida. They got to put a cage on the fish tank, not for the fish, but for the people. Florida man crashed his car into a bar so he could steal a Dr. Pepper. That's where police found him sitting, drinking his Dr. Pepper. He also had a gun on him, which was uh, made the charge into an armed burglary. Ah, that's that's disappointing. If you're going to drive your car into a bar to steal Dr. Pepper, leave your gun at home. There's no reason to bring the gun and to up the charges to, to armed burglary. Uh, that that goes for, uh, I better not say it. I better not say it. It's not worth it. All right, Florida man accuses tourists of stealing 37 pounds of meth. Extra, extra. I don't have a lot of meth experience, but I feel like 37 pounds is significant. That's a lot of meth. I don't remember on Breaking Bad if there was ever a, a drug deal involving 37 pounds. Feels like a lot. Florida man steals $33,000 worth of rare coins. What does he do with them? What do you think? He cashed them in at Coinstar. He got 29 bucks. Extra, extra. Florida man charged with picking magic mushrooms while cal- carrying an alligator. As you do. Are you there, Brian? We got the sound here? Extra, there extra. we go. Florida man attacks person who did not thank him for holding the door open at a liquor store. Extra, extra. Uh, Florida man charged with starting 343-acre wildfire. Extra, extra. And then finally, Florida man charged with calling in a bomb threat so he could avoid work. Extra, extra. All right, so there you go. Headlines are back for uh, this week. Some, it's a little bit more difficult technically to do it. Usually I would hit the sounder, but me working out of the home office, it's a little bit more difficult. But there you go. Florida Man has returned, and headlines have returned. We do it every Wednesday. There were a couple other stories that I did want to touch on, and we always get to this point of the show, and then I run out of time. First off, the Knicks made another uh, front office. It feels like every day the Knicks are hiring somebody else. So they're busy making some moves. Leon Rose building up the Knicks front office. Walt Perrin, 
has been uh, hired as the assistant GM, and then they have hired Frank Zanin as the new pro personnel director. I, I, I would be as much interested in the people that they're moving out as much as the people they're moving in. And at this point, you'd think the Knicks meetings are going to look like – remember the NFL draft where they had the virtual fans? They had like 60 people on a screen. That's what they're going to look like. Um, in terms of the hires, look, uh, the, the Walt Perrin hire, by all accounts, has been nothing but praise for the guy. He was with the, was in Oklahoma City for, for basically 20 years. I'd be lying to you if I told you I had heard the name before Monday or whenever it was he was hired. I think that the takeaway is if your opinion is – the move was made because this guy is a smart talent evaluator who will allow the Knicks to make better decisions in the draft to properly identify players who will develop into actual players. Fantastic. Love the move. But as with most Nick, or not maybe most, but a lot of Nick fans, if your opinion is, hey, this guy has a great relationship with Donovan Mitchell. And hiring him, he's going to give you the inside track to sign Donovan Mitchell whenever he's a free agent. Stop. Stop yourself, please. At some point, you eventually have to do it yourself. You can't expect the quick fix every time. It's like trying to get into shape. You can buy all the fancy gidgets and gizmos you want. But if you're still going to keep eating pizza and Krispy Kreme donuts every day, unless the gizmo is something that slaps the food out of your mouth, it's not going to work. It's not about getting Donovan Mitchell as a free agent. It's about first using all these draft picks that you got to find the next Donovan Mitchell. Or maybe somebody better who than, than Kevin Knox. Let's put it that way. Secondly, Dan Orlovsky was on Get Up. Was it yesterday? He said he would take uh, Sam Darnold over Daniel Jones, which is not really that controversial an opinion. I, I mean, I, that's not the way I would go, but okay, fine. But what did get my uh, – I did notice was that he said he would take Darnold over any young quarterback in the NFL. And then he qualified it to say any quarterback in the last three years in the draft, right? Young is not the best adjective to use when Patrick Mahomes is 24. And Deshaun Watson, I think, is – 24. Maybe he's 23. I'm not sure. But they're basically 24. That's still young. So what you're saying is you would take Sam Darnold over any quarterback in the draft in the last three years. And it's not that outrageous to say, mainly because a lot of guys came out this year, haven't played at all. Like Joe Burrow, you would say, all right, you know, I think he, if I had a pick between Burrow and Sam Darnold at this point, I might take Burrow. But Baker Mayfield, I don't think that that's all that controversial to say that you'd rather have Sam Darnold than Baker Mayfield right now. Josh Allen, I'm not a huge Josh Allen fan, even though he has had some success. Kyler Murray, I would still be kind of concerned about long term. Tua, I would put him last on the list because of the health concerns. Justin Herbert. The only problem with that is Lamar Jackson is one of those guys. Lamar Jackson just won the MVP. I don't think it's an outrageous statement to say Sam Darnold will never win an MVP. So while Lamar Jackson, I'm not saying that I would take him over Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson, if I only have the last three years to go on, yeah, I would take Lamar Jackson every day of the week and twice on Sunday. And I'm sorry, Sam Darnold has not shown any ability yet to be better than Lamar Jackson has been. 
And if you're saying you would rather have Sam Dar- I mean, that to me, that is ridiculous. When Lamar Jackson was the MVP of the season last year. God, could you imagine the praise that Sam Darnold would be getting if he ever put up a season like Lamar Jackson had last year, where the guy was basically unstoppable until the playoffs. All right, let's squeeze in a couple more calls. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. Uh, Greg in East Meadow. Greg, what's going on, man? Hey, guys. Well, you know, a couple of things real quick. Since you just mentioned Lamar Jackson twice on Sunday, maybe he can play two games on Sunday. He can play the other game for the Jets. That, that would be great. Jeff fans um, would sign for it. <laughs> exactly, even even in the second game. Uh, I think 35 pounds, is that what you said as far as the um, was the mess? 37. 37 pounds. That's only like 15 or 16 keys. I think on Breaking Bad he did well. He did well over that almost every deal. And listen, Extra Extra was particularly smooth today. I think it produced it did a great job. And Mariano has got to be the pick because – he virtually experienced no fall-off. He could still probably be pitching, so I still think he would probably get it done even against you know some of your better hitters. The guy had no fall-off in his career. That's absolutely true. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you know a lot of pitchers, I, I remember talking to Doc Gooden. Uh, I did an event with him years and years ago, uh, and I asked him, you know, like, do you ever go out and you know have a catch with your son? And he said I, I, he really couldn't throw anymore. Like his arm was shot, and it, it, actually that turns out to be – more often than not, the case that these guys just can't get it up anywhere close to what they were able to do it before. Mariano, he, Greg's right, he had no fall off whatsoever. So I know it sounds ridiculous that at the age of 50 that he would still be able to get anybody out. But if I was just going by 50-year-olds and I had to put pick one guy to get somebody out, it would be Mariano. All right, vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter. We're back tomorrow. It's the Gordon Damer Show. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.